0: Hello, this is Kishara Johnson, and you are listening to Undiscovered Worth, the podcast, a podcast where I have open and honest conversations with a variety of people about their lives and the things and events that bring meaning and depth to them. My hope for you is that this space provides you inspiration and the encouragement to curiously dive a little deeper into that which creates more connection and growth in your own life. I'm really happy that you're here, and I hope that you enjoy. Thank you. Hi, I hope you're doing well. Um, This conversation is one between me and Nasima, who is a writer. She also works in the social impact communications space. And um, we have a conversation about making peace with uncertainty. And I think that this is something that's really particularly relevant, probably to a lot of us, especially in the last two, I guess, going on, going into three years, um, of the pandemic, Um, I know that a lot of us, I can speak for myself and we talk on this um, in the conversation to follow about this kind of sense of loss of time and, and the ways in which things, like essentially how we make peace with things not turning out exactly how we expected it to. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I know that I did for sure. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe and share with your friends. All right, thanks. Um,
1: So I describe myself as a writer, a poet, um, and a strategic communicator. I love creative writing, I love poetry, and my day job is in um, strategic communications consulting I do like content and digital media work uh, for social impact clients. Um, so I support nonprofits and philanthropy organizations and like change makers. And so um, I just really love building my life around storytelling and social good essentially. Um, and I'm very fortunate to, to have found a position that allows me to bridge all of that together. Um I also identify as a Muslim woman, um daughter of immigrants, um there's like a whole host of of things there that I identify with. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I think those are all the ways that I would just describe myself. Um I'm definitely like I would also say a creative that has been struggling in the pandemic. Mm. Um And trying to get in touch with what creativity means to me. Um, A lot of my identity has been shaped around being a writer and outside of work. Um, I don't feel like I've been writing as much in the last like six or seven months. And so, in some ways, I feel like I'm having a bit of an identity crisis and trying to understand uh, what is going on. And, you know, the pandemic has been challenging all of us in different ways Mm. um but I think the isolation the stress I'm not sure what it is that has been challenging me in terms of like understanding the role that writing has in my life and what I feel like I even have to say or what I should say or not say Mm. has been interesting um to say the least but you know I've shared that with a number of friends and, and other writing um, partners and you know they've all challenged me in the fact that I can still be I, sh- I can still identify as a writer even if I'm not always writing or even if the frequency that I am writing has changed um, so I don't want to let that too quickly but I will be honest and say that that is and more accurate direction of where I am and how I feel about myself.
0: Hmm. When, since you're not writing, do you have like another creative outlet or is it just kind of been full stop? Yeah.
1: So because writing my relationship with it has changed over like the last year of the pandemic, um, I decided that I wanted to maybe explore other forms of, of art and creativity. And so i signed up for an ink drawing class um at like a local art uh school near me and uh it's weekly and i've gone to three classes so far and i really loved it um i used to really love drawing and painting when i was a kid and i like thought about being an animated cartoonist or like you know i always wanted to write children's books and so this would have been like oh i could also illustrate my own books and so Returning to that and reminding myself that I have other ways of being creative um, has been really nice. And I think that having that structure of like once a week and you go to this and it's, it's not virtual, which was really important to me. I wanted something where I'd be out of my home, connecting with other people, learning and disconnecting a little bit from, you know, social media was really it's been really helpful so far. And I'm excited to continue
0: that journey over like the next few months that's really awesome I'm I'm also curious too like you it sounds like writing is such like it's such a deep part of who you are Mm -hmm. um and I kind of want to say who you are loosely because you know if you took away the writing you're still you and I think oftentimes Mm -hmm. we kind of the things that we do become at least for me the things that I do Mm -hmm. I kind of trade that as if it's like, and have this belief that it's like who I am. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really curious, like, what, where does your love for writing come from? Mm. Yeah,
1: I've always loved reading since I was a kid. And I think I just had a natural uh, inclination towards like literature and anything that had to do with language and from an early age, I remember like with my kindergarten teacher, I like wrote a journal back and forth with her, which no one else was doing in my class. It was just me, but we would just write about our day. And I think being seen so early on um, for my writing ability, for my imagination, was really transformative for me. And so I read a lot of books as a kid and, you know, I think most people just like like to read read stories or like to watch TV or movies and you just enjoy it and that's it. But I was always like thinking about, well, what, what next? Like what happens next to the characters? Or like, I want to do what this book did to me. Like I want to make someone feel the way I felt when I heard this story, when I learned about this. So I always knew that um, I wanted to be a storyteller and not just have stories told to me. Mm -hmm. And at the time there wasn't a lot of representation for in books, especially children's books for people who looked like me, but I did my best to identify with the stories because, you know, there's always universal messages and themes in in books, but I knew that I wanted to write stories that like were fun and adventurous or mysterious, but just also featured, you know, people who were not, you know, white girls or white boys all the time, Mm -hmm. um, or Christian, um, I didn't see that representation but I didn't know how that was going to change or what I was going to do about it and for a while I was still pretty whitewashed with the stories that I wrote I definitely was writing about characters that doing things that I did not do that were not relatable at all but I just felt like that was what you were supposed to do Um, and so I think as I got older and dealing with my own internalized like racism and Islamophobia I had to admit that the writing that I was doing was not authentic Mm. and it wasn't going to get me anywhere. And that there is a desire and there is a demand for more diverse stories and more diverse, diverse voices. I had to just not be afraid of what it would mean if I wrote them and like maybe how I would be perceived differently. Um, And so that's been a journey too. Once I decided like, Oh, I need to be much more real. (laughs) I need to be more honest about the stories that i want to tell and i need to stop trying to write the same stories that have always been told Mm -hmm. Um, um but that's hard right because there's a lot of personal uh there's a lot of personal traumas and personal insecurities that come into play when you try and write stories for underrepresented communities um because then you feel this pressure and i think that pressure i definitely dealt with a lot before the pandemic and then i think over the last few years and especially the older you get, the more jaded you get, the more critical you get of what you do. (laughs) You're just like, what are you even doing? Is this really important? Does this matter? Um, Do you even think about things the same way that you did 10 years ago? Um, Like I was always so gung ho about everything I did and thought everything I wrote was brilliant. And now it's like, (laughs) I pick apart everything that I do. I pick apart, every idea I have because you know you see someone else do something and you're like oh that like that's better than what I could have thought of or that looks really close to what I had in mind and so maybe I should just let them write that story and not me and so that's definitely something I've been grappling with over time um and separating myself as just a person and then as a writer like what does that even mean um if I don't write am I truly living? Am I living if I'm not writing? Like, what is the relationship between those two? Do you always have to write about everything you, you experience? Maybe some of those things are meant to be private. You know, sometimes I think about maybe that's why some of the things I've been working on have been a struggle for me. It's because they weren't meant to be public. Some of the things maybe you're meant to just write for yourself and document and, and, and own what happened. And then you move on and find something else maybe that resonates with you. So that's been an interesting journey for me is figuring out when the writing should happen and when it should just be you existing, you know, like maybe that sometimes is enough. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you, um, write a lot about your culture? I think you were breaking up a little bit at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, so in case you're breaking up just a little bit, can you talk a little bit about your culture if you're comfortable?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think as I've gotten older, I've become more interested in talking about and writing about my culture. I think I started it mostly in college. Um, I, I majored in journalism and global studies, and so global studies gave me an opportunity to really, like, really like hone in on like I want to write about, you know, African cultures and more specifically East African Eritrea, which is where my parents are from, which is really. Important to- Um, because it's such a small country and purposefully the country, uh, does not want a lot of attention and does not allow media and, and all of that to really, uh, you know, share what's going on there. So, um, I just decided like, okay, so at least I knew that any contribution I made would be important, you know? So I tried to write essays and papers about politics and like human rights there, which is tricky. Um, You know, for my thesis in college, I interviewed Eritrean refugee women in Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm from, um, because I just wanted to have stories be told. And then, you know, after that I've written articles I've written some poems about Eritrea and the refugee crisis, and it's been really therapeutic to do it, but it also sometimes just feels like, is this really performative that I'm like, ooh, I have a culture and like, I'm gonna write about myself being caught between these two worlds. And, um, you know, all of us in the diaspora are like writing these like really passionate stories and poems, but like, what is it really doing? Like, are we really helping? Like, can we really change? the situation back home, like, I don't know, you know, but you just feel like, well, well, I'm a writer. And so this is what I do. This is what I have to offer. Um, but that's kind of how I've been able to bring culture into the work that I do.
0: Um, I find that this is like, Oh man, this is kind of right up my alley. This whole idea (laughs) of should I share this? Is this like, is this changing anything? Mm -hmm. I have such a strong passion about, People, women specifically, but just people in general sharing those stories, especially people of the global majority, mm-hmm. because when you really sit and think about in the, the history of rec- like recorded history, how little is actually written by us, for us, about us mm-hmm. through our mm-hmm. lens. It's so small, mm-hmm. relatively, partially because it's been intentionally erased, you know. Um, so I think your work is incredibly important i think i i tell all my friends like write create share as much as you can Mm. because there needs to be some record that we existed Mm. you know what i mean yeah because otherwise someone else is it's 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 like i wish that people like my ancestors who were enslaved here like had were able to write about themselves and there was like some kind of something to pass down but there's nothing there like there's so much like wisdom and goodness that could have been Mm. you know and and when you think about how much is erased just from colonialism and and the slave trade you know and all of that i I could go on and on but I think that it's really powerful to continue writing even if you think I tell people like even if you don't and even myself like even if I'm not sure if what I'm creating is like meaningful or purposeful or even if I'm not sure if it's good or like Mm -hmm. despite my own insecurities and and everything and anyone, like it's just I'm like an avid journaler (laughs) Mm -hmm. Same, same so I'm like I just imagine maybe one day like somebody will come across it in a if it survives a few hundred years and and there'll be some r- recorded history of a black woman that existed
1: yeah. in Atlanta
0: during this particular time in history. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's real. Like, I think, you know, it's one of my regrets in terms of, like, my family has so many stories, um, and they're not really written anywhere. And, I, and so many people in my family would tell me, oh, yeah, you're the writer. You need to write all of our stories. And I'm like, when? When are <laughs> we going to do this? Like, we, we're, we're spread all over the place. Like, naturally, that's what happens with, um, you know, refugee asylum-seeking communities. Like, they're everywhere. So, you know, it would be great if we were all in the same city, same neighborhood, and I could visit them regularly and slowly, you know, document. But that's just not possible. And so, um, you know, we're more oral, right? Everyone tells stories when they come together, when they have coffee ceremonies and people just chit-chat. And, um, you know, there was always a language barrier, too. Like, growing up, I didn't always have the strongest understanding or fluency of um, our language, Tigrinya. But as I got older, I understood more and I started to really, like, want to spend more time. Uh, with, you know, my elders and my aunts and uncles and my grandma. Um, My dad's mom, particularly, she passed away in 2017, but she was, like, a huge record of stories in our family. And I always was curious, like, how she remembered so much when she, considering how old she was. But, you know, like, she would mix up people's names, but she had such a good record of things that were from decades ago, like what people wore and, like, where they were in the room. And... I think about that and, like, what it means to be a writer, like, I I feel like I should have spent more time when I visited and when I was home, like, just recording stuff, like, maybe I couldn't write because I don't write in Tigrinya, but I was like, I should have just recorded stuff and then figured out a way to, like, translate or, you know, there's such a, um, there's just such a, it's a, it's a special gift to be able to have family stories, and, I think about that now and I think about what projects I want to work on, like what are, maybe there are things that are more nonfiction over fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, or is there a way for me to, through poetry, you know, share these stories um, and have it be accessible in a different way than maybe writing a straight, I don't know, like memoir, <laughs> you know, or biography of people. Um, I want to explore the different ways people can and enjoy storytelling. Cause I think, you know just keeping with the times right no one has the attention span they used to um and so maybe it's through you know video maybe it's through audio and or a mixture of the two mm. um i'm really i'm really interested in, in ways that we can do that because i think that bridges the generational gap i think it can bridge a cultural gap um and then you don't have to worry about if you lose it somewhere, you know, like it can be saved somewhere online. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I think about now too, as I get older. And I really think about, um, yeah, all the stories that have still not been unlocked yet
0: and, and who's going to do that. Mm. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, the whole reason, well, it's a couple of reasons. I wanted to just know who you were. Cause I, like I said, I think that your work is really amazing. And, and I follow you. Um, but I also, you know, I'm doing a series about making peace mm. and it's about making peace and whatever, like, people can bring up whatever topic that they, when they think about what it looks like to make peace and some things that they've made peace with in their lives and, and maybe mm-hmm. with others. Um, so I was really curious to know what is um, something or, or, you know, what have you made had to make peace with? It can be, from a while ago, or it can be recently. Um, It's really up to you. Yeah, that's a great question. Um,
1: I think I would say I am learning to make peace with uh, the uncertainty of my life right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And many, in many ways, like I, I I held on to a lot of frustration and resentment of what I feel like the pandemic took from me. Um, You know, I turned 30 in the pandemic um, and I always had a lot of um, expectations around what I would be at that point in my life for some reason. Um, I assumed, you know, that I'd have a book published. I assumed that, you know, I would be married like I I just there were a lot of different things I thought I would have achieved um, uh, during that time. And it's still something I'm grappling with now of like these two. It's now been we're entering what our third year of the pandemic. Um, and I still don't know what my life is going to be. I don't know what is happening um You know, I'm, I'm living literally month to month in my apartment. Um, I, you know, I started a new job in the pandemic and I'm someone who's very like, I like to plan things out. I like to know and line everything up. And this was something I did not plan for and no one planned for. And so I've had to just make peace with the fact that I am making the best decisions I can with the information I have right now and with the situation that I'm in, um, but sometimes you feel like it's not enough. Um, and you're like, should I continue to live where I live? Should I go home? Um, should I move somewhere else? Like what, what is this all about? Like, am I going to be alone forever? Like, am I ever going to find, you know, a relationship, uh, like a long-term relationship to be in? Like, I don't know. Should I like, will I have roots anywhere? I don't know. All of that kind of just swirling in my head. Um, really and i think especially with the winter it just really just sunk me into depression to be Mm -hmm. honest and i'm very grateful that i'm like not sick you know my family members are not sick i have a job a stable job and i have housing and so all of those things i'm very grateful for um but even then it takes a lot of mental energy right to just persist and wake up every day and be like this is life right now (laughs) this So this is what it is. Um, And, you know, one of the things that also was hard for me was that, you know, I was never an extremely, like, active, um, like, physically active person before, but um, I, you know, was busy enough and would take public transportation. I was in, I'm in a very walkable city that my daily life in general kept me at a certain physical shape. Mm -hmm. And... I've had to grapple with and make peace with that because of the change in our lifestyle. My body has changed. My relationship with my body has changed. I've gotten older. You know, I'm now 31. And there's just so many different things about your body that you have to be more in tune with that I didn't think I would have to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And I think making peace with, like, your body is doing what it can and it has brought you to this place. And... And that's okay, you know? Like, sometimes I don't recognize what I look like in the mirror, Um, you know? And I think everyone's kind of joked about, like, oh, we're all just wearing sweatpants and, like, loungewear and, like, who wears real pants anymore? But for me, I had to grapple with the fact that, like, besides, like, two pairs of pants, I literally cannot fit into, like, the rest of my clothes. And that was just really hard for me because I was like, you know, what why can you not take care of yourself you know what I mean like what is wrong with you that you are not able to do this it just felt like I felt like I had all these things that I needed to carry and hold with me so it was like I need to do really good at my job but I'm like working remotely and this this is new for me and I'm alone and like this there's a certain amount of stress right that you Mm -hmm. deal with Um, I'm also trying to make sure that like I don't get COVID and you know like I have to be responsible for myself everywhere I go all the time, making decisions. I have to cook and clean for myself. I check in with my family. Um, And then I just felt like this was another thing that I had to deal with was, oh, on top of that, you are now overweight. And what does that say about you? Like, does that make you more or less lovable? You know what I mean? Like it was, it's been hard. And like, I, I brought it up at my physical like a few months ago and she was like very my doctor was like very casual about it she's like okay well we'll just like look at what are you eating and like you know just incorporate more exercise and I'm just like you can't just tell me just incorporate more exercise (laughs) like that does not work for me like I mentally and emotionally do not gravitate towards exercise like I was never an active person. I am a writer and a reader. I sit inside. That is where I thrive. <laughs> I have shaped my identity around not thinking about appearance or caring about that. Everything about me is internal, you know? And I think that's the thing for me. I'm like an overthinker, I'm very like cerebral. And to suddenly have my body now like rebel <laughs> and force me to pay attention to it was really humbling to have to be like, oh, you think you're all about just like work and, and thinking and writing and reading. And like now, like the, the the faucet for writing was starting to get shut off. Right. And and all of a sudden, my body needs attention. Um, I was starting to break out in place I'd never broken out before. It was just like all my migraines were starting to come back. So I think like, yeah, I'm definitely not at peace yet, but I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find myself in a state of, I'm trying to get myself to a state of peace where my mental and emotional and physical can come together. And being in a time where it feels like all I have going on is work and my identity being very driven or connected with work, I'm also resisting that. So like taking this art class, for example, was part of me being like, you're gonna go do something that makes sure that you sign off. on time you go to this thing um there's no expectation of what you're going to do with your drawings you're just going to draw mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of drawing and like get in touch with what it means to um do something physical i completed like a month-long yoga challenge so like every day i did yoga and that was really a lot for me to just be like you're going to be centered you're going to do this 15 to 30 minute video every day and deal with how uncomfortable you are in your body and moving and trying to have like a, like a clear mind and like breathe and be very aware of your breath Um, and try and love your body and try and love yourself again. So I think those are the things I've been working through to, Mm -hmm. yeah, just like re envision what my life, should look like and take away the shoulds, I guess. That's what my therapist (laughs) reminds (laughs) me. Take out should from your vocabulary. But I think reimagine what I would like my life to be around. Um, You know, we're in a time now where for a lot of us, we don't have to work in the same place that our job is located. And I've always used my job or my school as a reason for me to be somewhere. And so Mm -hmm. now I'm in a place where I'm like, well, what do I want for myself independent of everything? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I want someone to figure that out for me, or I want someone to give me a constraint to tell me, like, you're gonna live here for this, for these reasons, for this long. And now that I'm like, oh, this is so wonderful. You have this flexibility. I'm like panicking. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what, what, like, how do you decide what life is supposed to be about? I don't know. I did get a cat in the pandemic. I got hers like seven months ago. Um, So I became, I really became a cat lady. I did not grow up with pets. My parents did not like pets. Um, But that's been also really interesting because I've been having also again to show up for someone else and the physicalness of having something else in my home that I take care of and that like reminds me and, and makes sure that I wake up at a certain time and that I get up and do things there's something really um something very therapeutic despite how moody she is I (laughs) I appreciate what I'm learning from having a little animal that takes me out of my head because I think sometimes I live too much in my head and I'm trying to really um yeah embody the fullness of the human experience and I think when you live alone it's Hard to do that you know um I do see people from time to time for sure I'm not like a total recluse but uh it's not the way it used to be it really isn't um and continuing to live alone has been somewhat of a like me like it was a strategic choice to stay living alone I think just because there's a lot of risks you know the pandemic of like mm-hmm. other people into your home and then now I work from home and yeah, so not at peace right now, but it's something I'm on the journey to having this year is my hope.
0: Yeah. I um I have yet to talk to I think that that whole the whole This is just so good because <laughs>
1: So I feel like I probably did went through a lot of different...
0: You did, like but it's yeah. many of the things that I've been thinking about, but I haven't had the words. It's just mm-hmm. been, like, feelings, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm 28, I'll be 29 next month. Mm. And I've been thinking about this... This, the, First of all, I can't believe it's been three years. We're in year three.
1: And oh, wow. so I'm like,
0: this is three years of, like... I could have been doing traveling or I could have been Mm -hmm. doing something else. Yeah. And I've been feeling this like kind of sense of anxiety and I couldn't quite figure out where it was coming from. But, um, last or earlier this month, a friend of mine had a birthday. And so we went out for her birthday party. It it wasn't really a party. It was like a dinner. Mm -hmm. And when she, they, somebody asked her like, Oh, well, how old are you? Mm Mm-hmm. And I could like, first of all, she's like 26. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're a few years behind you, you know, but I could like see like the shame on her face. Like Mm. you could just tell that she was uncomfortable. I realized that some of my own anxiety, yes, it's because of losing out on three years, but I, I've also Mm -hmm. struggled with, you know, my body's changed too. And I realized that part of it is like, for me, as a woman you know it's it's acceptable to tell what your age is in society until around 26 27 and at that point then it's like "Mm, okay you're still in your 20s but mm." so to miss out for me to miss out on three years I've had to wrestle with like this fear of like invisibility in a Mm -hmm. way you know Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah. So when you're talking about your body and about, you know, the pandemic and what things could have looked like, you know, that's just what that reminds me of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've debated with friends about like, when is the, when is the, like, there's no best time, but when would have been the most convenient time to be in the pandemic? Right. Like <laughs> what ages would you be willing to let go of? Because for me, having my 29th and 30th year I felt really robbed of that um and I would say like you know I feel like 26 27 I could have let those go like I'm fine with that I'm like or maybe (laughs) the years right after college but I'm like no when I think about that like those years are critical like the first couple years out of college you're establishing yourself you're trying to figure out with whether the thing you studied is actually what you want to Mm -hmm. do in the world um you know 25, 26. I was in graduate school, so I'm like, ugh, what I would have wanted to be in school during a pandemic. Like, I just, I can't even imagine. Um, And the first job, like my first job experience after that. So, you know, I don't think there's any good year, but I think for women, particularly having it be around the late 20s, early 30s is particularly vulnerable because if you're not already, at least for me, like in a relationship, you feel like, like, that's it. Like, what are you going to do? Like Mm -hmm. everyone, I have so many friends that got married or engaged in 2019 and I'm like, wow, you guys really did it. Like (laughs) you landed it before everything shut down. I had a major breakup in 2019. So I was like, I did not plan that well, but of course it wasn't about planning. It was about making what I felt was the best decision for myself. Um, But it really sucks to feel like, you know, everything shut down. When I had full intention in 2020, you know, because I was then living alone for the first time, I was going to actively like create the life I wanted. And I was going to host people in my own home. I wanted to have like open mics. I wanted to have board game nights. I wanted to invite people over. I wanted to really create this like creative community that I felt like would nourish me and hopefully connect me with similar minded people. Um, and then the pandemic happened. And so I went from big, big dreams to just complete isolation, complete, uh, yeah, just, it was the opposite of everything that I had intended to do. And so it was hard on a number of levels to feel like, as someone who likes to plan things and see results to feel like, Oh, it doesn't matter what you wanted. This is what you have to deal with. Um, And that was scary. And at the time I was like, am I going to see my family? Like, are they even going to let us board airplanes? Like there was so much like chaos and confusion at that time that I was like, Oh my God, this independent life that I'm so proud. I was able to cultivate, you know, because for people in my family and in my community, like girls really don't leave home. For no reason you know like they want you to stay with them until you're married they're like why would you bother like why would you waste money you know what i mean like what are you doing that you need to go live by yourself and you know i'd have different family members like my parents were supportive of course but like you know they also were like don't you want to come back like what you, what, you, what is what is so great about living on your own that you can't do with us like what what, you, what is it you're doing um and you know there's so there's a lot of guilt is like the eldest daughter daughter of immigrants that i had to like suppressed but i was very proud of myself for this life i live and then the pandemic made me like be like are you sure is it do you really want it that badly do you really want to suffer alone to prove what you know like who is this helping like is this really what you want for yourself um because i know that when i'm home i'm a very different version of myself when i'm around my family um you know, I think they've adjusted in many ways to who I've grown to become, but it's not the same, right? Like you, 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 you feel like a child, you feel, you feel yourself compromised and you feel yourself conforming into ways that fit who they want Mm. you to be. And I'm trying as much as I can to be as authentic as I can be because not just for myself, but I also think for my creativity, like I think, when I'm literally afraid of being honest about what I think about things, I see that in my writing. I see where my writing stops and I see where it is shallow. And I really feel that physically change for me when I am back home versus when I am in other places. And also when I travel, right? Like when you travel, you feel, you feel this different energy and spirit in you. Um, and so I've had to really push myself and say like, I will write real stuff <laughs> when I'm not afraid of what other people think. And it's hard for me to do that when I'm around the people who I care the most about what they think, right? Um, and, of course, there's anonymous people online and trolls and whatever, but because I can't see them, I I don't let that bother me as much. Um, and so I don't know where I started with this, but I think... Yeah, just continuing to, like, try and, like, fight for the life that you want, um, even if it means, you know, it's lonelier. uh, It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to sometimes justify, like, why are you choosing to live this way? Like, life is short. Maybe you don't know the next time you'll see your family. Like, is this really what you want for yourself? And some days it's yes, and some
0: days it's, I don't know. Yeah. I really, I really don't know. Through the isolation, um, actually, I just want to circle back one thing. Mm
1: -hmm. When you talked
0: about your friends getting married in 2019 and you were like, yeah, you really did it. I have, I got married, um, I am married, I got married in like 2016, but Mm -hmm. for me as someone who's married and has been married for almost six years Mm -hmm. and approaching 30, I felt like these last three years, like these were supposed to be the years where I was going to like live it up before Mm -hmm. talking about having kids. Yeah. So now it's like, you know, that mental like society, they're like, you're on the clock, you're on the clock. That's kind of been Mm -hmm. in my mind Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. from the perspective of someone who is married, like that's been the struggle for me. I'm like, we had all these plans and now I'm like,
1: yeah. Where does the time go?
0: Yeah. How do you fit all of these things in? And like, should I have a kid? just because of the biological clock or should I just, yeah. you know, it's, that's kind of been my struggle. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting hearing your thoughts as someone who was single mm-hmm. and mine as <laughs> someone who's married. Yeah,
1: no. And I, and I think I know that in some ways I am also grateful to not be with someone in the pandemic because I also know people who were really tested in their relationships yeah. um, during this time. Um, and I don't know what that would have done to me if I imagined life to be a certain way with this person and then such an extreme, um, you know, life event really, you know, just like totally changing everything for you. And like, would that bring you closer or would that actually drive you apart? Like, that's really scary. And so in some ways it's been nice that like, I've been navigating this on my own and making decisions with myself in mind and not worrying about how you know, I feel about my work or, or like school or anything, um, where I live, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't involve anyone. And so there isn't any, another person in my space emotionally and physically. Um, but I think the kid thing is real. Cause I, that's something that I know, like I know I want children and it's, and it's harder now because I never wanted kids immediately, um, after marriage, but now I almost feel like I don't, sometimes it feels like oh i don't deserve to have that time because if i even can get married i should immediately try and have children because you know at this point like i'm already 31 the likelihood of me being married by the end of this year is very slim so then that means i'm 32 right and so then it's almost like i've been trying to do this like uh like calculation of like (laughs) this is what your next three years need to look like and it's so frustrating to feel like it shouldn't be this rushed. It shouldn't be this way. And, um, you know, like I, I follow this, um, she's like a a CEO, like a beauty company and she's Indian American and she's also in her early thirties. And she recently like did a whole YouTube series around freezing her eggs and that, like I had never heard of growing up culturally. No one in my family has done it. And, um, I mean, I think I first learned about it, honestly, from watching Being Mary Jane because her character goes through that on the show where she's, like, not finding the guy she wants to be with, but she knows she wants children, so she, like, and she has the money for it, Um, but that was something that I was like, oh, my God, I can't even believe I'm thinking about and researching (laughs) what egg freezing means, you know, and, like, I I got super emotional at one point because I was like, this is not fair that I even have to think about this Mm -hmm. because like, that's just not what I, it feels like such an extreme that like the way I envisioned my life was just like someone in my like mid twenties, you know, getting engaged by my late twenties and then starting to have children in my early thirties. Um, and to feel like mm, it may not be that way. It's not going to be that way actually, um, is hard. And then, you know, can I be at peace with the idea that like, what if you don't have kids? Like, is that okay? Um, I have a good friend of mine who's like, she's on the other side of me where she feels like she has to like, uh, defend her decision that she doesn't think she wants children. Mm. And uh, that is very controversial in her family. And like, Mm. um, yeah, like being child free and not childless, right? Um, I read a lot of that content, because I think I want it to comfort me that like, if you don't have children, you can still have a really wonderful life and be an auntie and like be in the village and community of children and still like live your best life. Right. But it's like, but secretly I know I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) I do want children, but I need to be reminded that like, that is not the only way you can have happiness. And I think that's the overall theme for me over the last few years is that there's not one way to be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And can you be okay with that? Because I think I'm not going to reach a state of happiness, right? Like, I think the happiness comes from just finding moments of joy, even when it's uncertain, even when it's stressful, even when it's isolating. Um, I'm trying to count how many days I can find happiness in, even if I'm like, you know, I don't know the difference between today and yesterday and (laughs) and tomorrow. (laughs) Like, time just blurs together and is that sad? Is that, is that nice? I don't know. Um,
0: I think it just is.
1: Yeah. Just sitting with it. And mm-hmm. is that okay? Like every day doesn't have to be magical. Every day doesn't have to be exciting. Um, but am I still healthy? Am I still here? Am I still alive? Um, and what am I doing to just make life a little bit easier also for other people? Cause I think, When you're just only thinking about yourself, I think it's easy to just question the purpose of everything. Like, why? (laughs) What are we doing here? Um, So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, children and thinking about the future is hard when you don't even know what the future is for yourself, you know?
0: Yeah. What has the isolation, I guess, what have you learned from it all? Like, about yourself. Yeah. Not to, I mean, and I feel like, as a caveat, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe this is part of, like, living in, like, a capitalistic kind of society where yeah. everything has to have a meaning. You have to learn something. You have to gain something from everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this has been a question that I've had, like, mm-hmm. what have, like, what have, what, what, how have I changed? Who have I become to myself? Mm through this, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the isolation has definitely taught me that I really did escape from my needs and I didn't know how to really show up for myself holistically. Like, I think I was always running around doing things for other people. I prided myself in being a really hard worker, a good student. And when you're on your own, you have a lot of time for yourself. You realize that you have a lot more time than you think you do. Mm -hmm. That's if you're like, you know, you don't have dependents and all of that stuff, right? Like as someone living alone, you have a lot more time than you think you do. And I think my excuse all the time of like, oh, I'm not writing enough or I'm not getting to these books. I want to read. I don't have time. You do have time. The things that matter to you, you will make time for. And so, I definitely learned that like my time is valuable. um, And it's really up to me to decide how to use it. And having time doesn't mean you need to give it away to other people. You don't have to have plans. You can just use it for yourself, which I didn't really know how to do before. Like I felt bad if I had time and said no, because I was like, well, what else are you doing? You know, like I, I would always put other people before me. So the isolation, helped in that way that it gave me an excuse to be like you need time for yourself to not do anything sometimes you know and that's not lazy um i love the nap ministry and i had the honor of of speaking with trisha the founder of it for a story when i was working at the atlantic and she just really challenged like all of this uh it's it's both an american capitalistic thing right Western, and also, I think immigrants also have this need to be productive and need to value themselves because of what they do Um, and not just who they are, and not just that you have life, you were created, and that is enough. Mm -hmm. And that was something I had to learn a lot in this pandemic where I was like, oh my God, I haven't finished all these books that I have on my bookshelf. What are you even doing with your time? Or like, people who, like, wrote two books in the pandemic. I'm like, oh, my God, you call yourself a writer? What What are you doing? You don't even have anywhere to go now. Like, you could write three books. You could have read three books in this time. Um, and so, you know, I had to learn how to be less hard on myself and just – enjoy moments because I don't think I was doing that before I think I was just like I'm in DC and it's like everything is moving fast and people are doing things and whatever and you're all out trying to like just be impressive and work hard Um, and now I'm really it yeah now I'm really valuing like time to just like rest and take a walk and uh, play with my cat and make food that I enjoy eating and learning about things I don't have any there's no like purpose necessarily I just want to learn about stuff like I'm just taking this ink drawing class I'm not going to suddenly become you know an illustrator but I just I want to do it and so I appreciate how things have slowed down for me to just you know reinvent what I think my life should be like like I think there was I thought there was one answer and that I was supposed to be trying to achieve that and now I'm realizing it's whatever I want it to be. And so that has been an interesting experience just to figure out what do you want your life to look like? Like everything is being renegotiated right now,
0: which mm. is scary, but it's also very cool, so. Well, thank you so much. That was my last question. I've really enjoyed this um, this conversation. Thank you thank so much. You.
1: I appreciate you, yeah, like, connecting.
0: If you enjoyed this episode or the podcast in general, I would love to hear from you and to know what part resonated. This podcast is literally rooted in connecting with people, and that includes you as a listener. To get in touch, you can email me at kashara at kasharajohnson.com. That's K-A-S-H-A-R-A. Or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kishara underscore Johnson. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon.